You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. truth about me. I'm the chief of sinners saved by God's grace. That's the truth. Jesus came to save sinners of which I am chief. That's the truth. And I've been saved by death, from death, from a separation from God by what Jesus did on a cross. And that's the truth. God sent Jesus into the world so that the world might be saved through him. And it's solely by his grace that I am saved. Solely by it. So we need to understand the truth about ourselves. Who are you? This is a question that many people struggle with. We look for identity in so many things, but at our core, from birth, we're sinners, intent on serving self. As Pastor Dave will explain in today's message, until you're transformed in Christ, you'll remain in that fallen, destructive path. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 21 as he begins his message, Beginning of the End. Second Kings 21. Let's bow our hearts before our Lord. So Lord, now as we come to your word, open up our hearts. Help us, Lord, to glean from your word truth. Apply it to our lives that we might walk worthy, that we might walk circumspectly in your love, and that we might continue to serve you with joy and gladness of heart. Oh Lord, how we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we now come to chapter 21, it's the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of the end of the southern kingdom of Judah. And although they had given the world a great witness of the Lord God Jehovah, of the one true living God, they they witnessed of his faithfulness, they witnessed of his goodness, they, they witnessed of his mercy and his character, they had fallen deep into idol worship. They had committed spiritual adultery. And they had fallen away from God and went after other gods. And this is so against God that it was in his first commandment, no other gods before me. And he was so strong about that because he is a jealous God, but he's jealous for you and wants to show you his love. And he wants you to love him back and give him glory and honor for the work that he completed. They had turned their backs, and they had forsaken the Lord their God. And we found this in the southern kingdom of Judah, all the way back in 2 Kings 17, specifically in verse 19. As they were talking about the northern kingdom, the writer says, Therefore the Lord was angry with Israel and removed them from his sight, There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. And in 19, also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. So even back then, Judah had started to slide. They had started to come downhill from their worship of the one true living God. And they too had taken up idol worship. The prophet Jeremiah writes about this. 
He writes about this in Jeremiah 3, verses 8 through 10. Let me read them to you. In Jeremiah 3, verses 8 to 10, listen to what the prophet Jeremiah wrote. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. This is the Lord speaking. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And yet for all her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. So you see, there's a problem here, a major problem with the southern kingdom of Judah. Israel's gone. The northern kingdom of Israel is no more. They've been carried away by the Assyrians. And they're in Assyria now as slaves. But Judah is still teetering. And now they're sliding downward. So it's the beginning of the end. And that's what I've entitled today's study. The beginning of the end. And throughout our study in 2 Kings, we have seen the majority of leaders, both north and south, not listening to the Lord God. Not giving him any attention, not paying attention to the Lord God Jehovah. Nor did they obey the word that they were given by the prophets. What did they do to the prophets? Well, in Hebrews 11, it tells us what they did to the prophets. They stoned them, they sawed them in half, they slew them by the sword, and all those sorts of horrible things. That's how they treated the prophets of God. So you see, they, weren't, they really didn't want to hear the word of God. They didn't want to hear the truth. You probably know somebody like that. You probably won't know somebody who doesn't want to hear the truth. In fact, when you speak to them about the truth, Jesus Christ, it's as if they put, yeah, 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 put fingers in their ears and don't listen to you when you talk. They don't want to hear the truth. That's what the people of Judah, they didn't want to hear the prophets. What was the only thing protecting Judah? You know, Al Westerland, you know. What, what was the only thing protecting Judah? It was the fact that the Lord had given David a promise. He had given David a promise, who was from the tribe of Judah, that the Messiah would come through his lineage. Oh, how long-suffering the Lord had been with Judah. But sadly, the government was now in moral decay, causing the very existence of the kingdom to be in jeopardy. And i got to stop there, folks. You might know where I'm going with this. Look around. Look around at our country. Look around at our beloved United States of America. Look around and see how far we have fallen. It, it took prayer out of school in the 60s. And ever since then, it's just been slowly sliding downhill. We are on the same path that Judah was on. We are on the exact same path. We have forsaken our God, the God who founded this nation a nation that was founded on biblical Christian principles, a nation that gave God its due, that said the Lord thy God, one nation under God. But we have slid away from that. No more Ten Commandments in buildings. No more this, no more that. Heaven forbid you say a prayer in church. Heaven forbid a group say a prayer before a football game where you can't even have an invocation at a graduation. Yes, folks, we've slid way down. Not let alone the abortion issue, which continues to rise. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're allowing this nation to go the wayside. God will not be mocked. 
God will not be mocked. He will deal with the United States of America. He has to because he's a justice and true God. And his justice is on based on his righteousness. His righteousness. I'll get down off my soapbox right now so you guys can, you know. That's how I feel. And I'm worried. I'm worried. I see the, the, what's happening. I, I see what's happening on both sides. I see all the, the horror that's happening. But God always has a remnant. He always has a remnant. And only a faithful remnant resisted the lure and temptation of the pagan culture. And they remained true to the Lord God Jehovah. They were the future of the kingdom and of the nation. God's promises had not changed. And you know the promise in 2 Chronicles 7.14. You know the promise as well. You could probably read it to me. At least say it with me when I read it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. You hear the condition on this response? There's a condition there. If my people were called by my name. Christian, you call yourself a Christian? You were called by God's name. You believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You've been called by God. You've been called by God. If my people, my people, not the pagans. At this time, it wasn't even the Gentiles. God was saying, if my people, he was talking about Israel. He was talking about Judah. If my people were called by my name, humble themselves, pray, Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That's repentance, folks. The same holds true today. The exact same thing holds true today. Don't think it doesn't. So as we come to chapter 21 in 2 Kings, there are two kings that are mentioned in this chapter. They need to learn humility. But they didn't. They failed. One of them, the one we're going to study first, Manasseh, he did finally learn his lesson, but it was too little too late. And the other one, Ammon, never learned the truth about himself. And I came across a really cool quote from A.W. Tozer, who wrote this, quote, True humility is a healthy thing. The humble man accepts the truth about himself, unquote. What is the truth about me? I'm the chief of sinners. That's the truth about me. I'm the chief of sinners saved by God's grace. That's the truth. Jesus came to save sinners of which I am chief. That's the truth. And I've been saved by death, from death, from separation from God, by what Jesus did on a cross. And that's the truth. God sent Jesus into the world so that the world might be saved through him. And it's solely by his grace that I am saved. Solely by it. So we need to understand the truth about ourselves. We're going to spend most of our time on Manasseh, the most wicked king that Judah ever had. So we read back in 20, 21 and 21.1, that Hezekiah died. We remember the study on Hezekiah that we did. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water in the city, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers, then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Manasseh, verse 1 of 21, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. Okay. There's something interesting here that I want to throw out to you for speculation. 
want to throw this out to you for speculation, just for that purpose only. Would it have been better for Hezekiah to die instead of being healed? You remember, he was told he was going to die. He begged the Lord, he cried. The Lord heard him cry and said, I'll give you 15 more years. Well, three years later, Manasseh was born. Three years later, Manasseh was born. Was the healing of Hezekiah God's perfect will and plan? We don't know. Again, speculation, folks. Speculation. Isaiah came back and said, God, see your tears, and he heard your prayer. You could have 15 more years. Was this really his purpose? Would it have been better for Hezekiah to die? I say this in speculation because the Manasseh comes to 12 years old. He's the worst king that they ever had. And we'll see why. We'll see what he did. Why do I say this? Well, I say this because of verse 2. Look at verse 2. And he, Manasseh, did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. When they came into the land, when they came across that Jordan led by Joshua, they were supposed to wipe out all of the other tribes, all the other tribes and their idols and all their things. God wanted them to do that, for they were an abomination to the Lord. It says here that he did according to their abominations. He did everything that was wiped out. He brought it all back. Wow. He certainly didn't follow in his father's footsteps. He becomes the most wicked king in Judah history. I know I'm repeating that, but that is important. Most scholars would agree that he is to blame for the fall of the southern kingdom. Jeremiah 15. In Jeremiah 15, 1 through 4, listen to what it says here. Jeremiah, again, the prophet. Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And it shall be if they say to you, Where should we go? Then you shall tell them, Thus says the Lord, Such as are to death, to death. And such as are for the sword to the sword. And such as are for the famine to the famine. And such as are for the captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four forms of destruction, says the Lord. The sword to slay, the dogs to drag, the birds of heavens and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. I will hand them over to trouble, to all kindness of the earth, because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. Wow. I'm not sure I want to be in Manasseh's shoes. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be in Manasseh's shoes. What made him so wicked? What made Manasseh so wicked? Well, it's listed here in verses 3 through 9. Let's read them, 3 through 9. For he, Manasseh, rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, he raised up altars of Baal and made a woman image, wooden image, as Ahab the king of Israel had done. And he worshipped the hosts of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the Lord of the in the house of the Lord of God. Excuse me. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, "In Jerusalem I will put my name." And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Also, he made his son pass through the fire. 
practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He even set a carved image of Astra that he had made in the house of the Lord, had said, and the Lord, which the Lord had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not make the feet of Israel wander anymore from the land which I gave their fathers, only if they are careful to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they paid no attention. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Now that's a resume, folks. That is one whale of a resume. Come on. Here we see the depth of the sin that Manasseh led the people into. He's the shepherd. He's leading the people into this sin. Deep in the sin. So deep that they can't recover. So deep that they can't recover. Look at the results. Judah would fall as a result of Manasseh's, Manasseh's leading them. Why? Well, for one thing, Manasseh lived an ungodly lifestyle. He had no relationship with the Lord God Jehovah as of yet. Nor did he want one. And here's the craziest thing that boggles this mind. Don't go there. It really boggles my mind. Of any king in Judah, Manasseh ruled the longest 55 years. You would think that because he was doing so badly, the Lord would smite him. See, that's how much the Lord cares for you. That's how long-suffering God is with you. And that's how long-suffering I think God has been with the United States of America. He has been long-suffering. It's, it's an incredible amount of long-suffering that he's going through with us, wanting us to repent, wanting us to return. He gave Manasseh, he gave Judah chance, chance, and chance to return. Yet they did not. To me, it seems like the Lord took his hand off the kingdom and just allowed them all the filth and depravity to flow out of the people's hearts. That's what it appears. Did God give them over to the retrobate minds that Paul talked about in Romans? Did God turn them over to their own devices and said, have at it, guys. Knock yourself out. Is God doing that to the United States today? Is, has he turned the country over to their reprobate mind? Has he left the United States to its own devices? I don't know. So Manasseh's sin was great. Look at what he did. He rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah's father had destroyed. He, he, all the reforms that Hezekiah did, he, he brought them back. He brought back all the terrible idolatry. The kingdom had been on its way. They had been reformed. Idols had been taken down. They were worshiping the one true living God. But they returned to their vomit. They, they returned to the pigsty. They returned to the de de debauchery and the depravity. I love what Gusick says about this. He says, this shows us that repentance, reform, and revival are not permanent standing conditions. What is accomplished at one time can be opposed and turned back at another time. In other words... You can drift from your position of abiding in Christ. You can be abiding in Christ one moment and drift off the next moment. That's why it says in Hebrews 2 verse 1, Take heed, Christian, that you don't drift. 
Take heed that you do not drift. More earnest heed were the words of Jesus. It's easy to think of this as an exhortation to unbelievers. No, no. The book of Hebrews was written to the believers. Be careful, Christian, lest you drift. Do not give the more earnest heed. We will drift away. When the writer was talking about was a boat. Mark, he was talking about a boat. Drifting happens naturally without an anchor or something solid. If we're not securely set to the truth and supremacy of Jesus Christ, we will drift into the currents of the world. We will get taken down a path you don't want to go. The ancient Greek for the phrase drift away comes from the idea to slip. It's used for an arrow slipping out of its quiver or snow slipping off a landscape or food slipping down the windpipe and easily choking. It happens so easily. I mean, come on. You've eaten ice cream or better yet, you've eaten pasta and all of a sudden you look down at your shirt and go, oh no, look what I did to my shirt. You drip something on you. It happens so easily. And again, Gusick to me nails it here. He says, One doesn't have to do anything to drift away. Departure from faith usually comes from slow drifting, not a sudden departure. What's he saying? I don't have to do anything, and I'm going to drift. If I'm doing nothing, I'm not seeking the Lord. I'm not reading his word. I'm not fellowshipping with with, uh, with believers. I'm not witnessing. If I'm not doing nothing, I'm literally going to drift. I'm going to drift away. I'm going to be out there. This is what happened. He raised up the altars of Baal and made wooden images. He didn't want to imitate his godly father. Instead, he imitated the worst kings of all, Israel, Ahab. He embraced the idolatry. He embraced Baal and Ashtoreth. He added altars dedicated to foreign gods by making the Lord Jehovah one of the many gods. We're doing that today. Oh, we're, God's one of many gods. Jesus is one of many gods. Ah, No, there's only one God. There's only one mediator between man. His name is Jesus Christ. Don't fall for that nonsense. Not all roads lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's as clear as it can be. Manasseh worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He didn't only bring back the old forms of idolatry. He brought a new idolatry. So let's go. Hey, I have some new things, folks. Woo-hoo. The entire Babylonian empire was a rising influence, and they loved astronomical. Say, buddy, what's your sign? They liked astrological things. Manasseh probably said, this is cool. Let's bring this in. See, anything goes. Do you see what's happening here? You can see it today. Anything goes. He built houses. He built altars in the house of the Lord. It's bad enough to allow idol worship. Bad enough. But yet, he corrupted the true worship of the one true God in the temple. The temple of all places which was made for the worship of God by building idols in the temple itself. Horrors. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 2 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're not already connected to a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly, Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We'd be happy to get to know you and hear about your story. Find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. Look on our website for directions as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we'd love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. As this edition comes to a close, we want you to know we're grateful you're a part of our listening audience. Make sure to join us again next time for more from 2 Kings, where Pastor Dave will pick up where he left off. We look forward to that time with you again as you continue to learn and grow here on A Sure Hope. Show.